Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's recruiting-centric podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and even sometimes recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined by Land Grant Holy Land recruiting columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, we're recording on Easter evening. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you as well, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time to do this uh, on the holiday, but... It's also kind of a little bit of a holiday weekend for football, whether you celebrate Easter or not, as Ohio State's spring game did take place on Saturday. And even though, you know, you're a football coach, so you probably appreciate these things more than just a normal fan would. But, you know, it's a glorified practice. And I don't know how much we can actually learn from watching the spring game, especially when the coaches were pretty clear that they were going to be showing just the very basics of the new defense. But I want to get into that stuff. Uh, in terms of maybe what you saw. But I want to talk about really the biggest news coming out of the spring game, and that's the recruiting. Because on Easter Sunday, there were a lot of hallelujahs going up for more than just the religious purposes because Ohio State got not one but two different commits on, uh, on Easter Sunday. And what's interesting to me about this, Caleb, is that neither one of these guys, I think, were like, huge names being buzzed about around the program. Um, And neither of them are really highly, you know, ranked guys. Neither of them are in the top 250. But that doesn't worry me in the slightest. And we'll get into why, especially with this first guy. But the first one that committed was wide receiver Bryson Rogers. He's out of Zephyr Hills, Florida, which is essentially a, a suburb of Tampa. And he is the number 367 player in the country. Um, yeah, it's a three-star by the 24-7 composites, a pretty high three-star. He's ranked as a four-star in other places. But he also had offers from Alabama, Auburn, you know, Georgia, Florida, Florida State. So he's one of those guys who kind of fits the mold that we've seen a lot from um, Brian Hartline, identifying a guy early and then making sure that he is in as super early as he can, and then he kind of slowly climbs up those rankings. We saw the same with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is at like, what, I think it was like 250 or 248 or something when he committed, not necessarily even when he got the offer, and then he ended up being a five-star. So I'm not super worried about the current ranking um, when Brian Hartline decides to not only offer but to accept an offer from a kid this early. 
uh, that doesn't bother me in the least, Caleb. Yeah, no, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, and you go back to last cycle with uh, Kion Graves out of Arizona. Yep. He was a kid that, you know, obviously was committed to Arizona, his home state school uh, for quite a while. And then, you know, not a not a big name. I mean, he once he kind of got offered by Ohio State, you saw Brian Hartline just able to go in there like he typically does and just hit a home run with Graves. And now, you know, at, at Ohio State already, he was kind of one of the guys that jumped the most, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just in his recruiting ranking. So, but I think with, with Rodgers, you're kind of, you, you already said it. So Heartline, and I know Bill Kerlick of Bucknuts.com, he kind of mentioned this as well too, that people that are a little bit kind of standoffish are like, man, you know, you're in with so many other wide receivers, you know, Brandon Ennis, Carnell Tate, the list goes on and on. Yeah. You know, why are you trying to accept, you know, a commitment from someone this lowly ranked in the process this early on, you know, what are you kind of doing there? And I think if people are doing that, they need to understand one, this is Brian Hartline. Look at the track record yeah. Two, you know, it, it is still early on. I mean, we're not in May yet. I mean, yes, the 2023 class is, you know, four and a half months in the process of, you know, being the current cycle, but at the same time, these are kids that, you know, they're not taking all these visits, you know, just for nothing. Like they're, they're starting to really go with ramp up through the process. And with Rogers, I, again, I think he'll be another kid that kind of jumps up the recruiting scene. And, you know, sometimes it, it it's one of those things where it's almost like a domino effect. You know, once the kid commits, they're like, Oh, he committed to that school. Uh, you know, now we, now we know him a little bit better. Now we can start to, you know, increase his ranking a little bit and stuff like that. But yeah, the timeline for Rogers has been kind of quick. He was offered in January by Ohio state, got up to Ohio state for his first visit in March. And then, you know, obviously was back on, on campus this weekend and actually has a, his official visit scheduled for September 3rd. So, I mean, it's the Notre Dame game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's going to be coming back to campus at least one more time. Um, But yeah, good to get him locked up. And like I said, I mean, other recruiting analysts have said it like this is one of the guys that Brian or Brian Hartline really wanted in the class. And, you know, he got him. So uh, good for the good for the Buckeyes for sure. And again, one of those things where you kind of throw out the rankings here, because if Brian Hartline wants him, that's really all you need to know. Are we far enough removed from the time when maybe camps weren't happening as frequently because of COVID or even players weren't traveling as much before, um, you know, during COVID that we're starting to see everything kind of get back to normal with the rankings? Or is there still some of that lingering, you know, the recruiting analysts weren't able to see guys as much? Has that kind of worked itself out and we're back to normal footing? Or is there still some of that baked into certain guys recruiting rankings, maybe from certain parts of the country or certain schools or whatever like that? I do see a little bit of it still. I mean, I I think it's kind of, you know, hit or miss. You see... Back in, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, man, there are so many camps, you know, Nike's yeah. putting on the opening, the Elite 11, Under Armour's doing rivals camps and so on and so forth. I mean, there all, were, the, all the there schools were, camps, too. Exactly. There's there's so many camps that are happening. I think a lot of times now those camps have kind of taken a little bit of a backseat. They're not as popular right now. I think COVID obviously ha- how it had an effect on everything, you know, in, in just regular career fields. I think, you know, yeah. also with camps, it's, it's kind of the same deal. You know, things type to tend to scale back with, you know, a pandemic kind of like that. But I think the other thing too, that kind of hurts um, the camp scene is just how many players are now on these, you know, national seven on seven teams as well, too. I think it's one of those things where these players are, they're so advanced. They're playing, you know, year round, especially in the South because you know, they have spring ball in the South. They're able to be on these, you know, camp circuits, if you will, but more so these seven on seven teams have taken over. And you look at South Florida express, I mean, Ohio state, it, it feels like every kid on that, on that roster for South Florida express, has a Buckeye offer. So um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, again, to answer your question, I think the camp scene has kind of scaled back definitely a little bit. And I think that kind of hurts, you know, some kids that are recruits um, that, you know, that really go to those camps and try to get their name out there. Um, but again, I think a lot more players are just playing more football on seven on seven circuits and that, that's kind of taken over a little bit. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the fact that a lot of guys from Florida have Ohio State offers. Uh, Bryson Rogers from Zephyr Hills, Florida, was not the only Floridian uh, to commit on Sunday because the Buckeyes also picked up a commitment from Dijon Johnson, who is a uh, a four-star cornerback out of Wharton High School, which is in Tampa proper. So only about, I think, 15 miles away from where Rogers uh, lives and goes to school. Uh, Johnson is a four-star, but a low four-star. Star number 265 in the country uh, for the 24-7 sports uh, sports composite rankings. He's actually a little higher, 213 in 24-7's own rankings. But what's interesting about him is dude is is pretty well built. He's 6'1", 190 pounds, already runs a laser-timed 4.5 40-yard dash, 4.4 on the short shuttle. Super smooth. Uh, Andrew Ivins uh, from 24-7 has great things to say about him. Normally, they put in a lot of like, well, he needs to work on this, needs to work on this. There's not a lot of stuff in his analysis that's like, He's, he, you know, that that's not positive. He says he has to stop relying on his extra gear to bail him out as college wide receivers will be much faster. So basically he's saying he has to stop relying on his athleticism, which I have no doubt that, you know, in his senior year and then in college, he'll he'll pick up more technique. But this is a guy at a position of need for Ohio State, especially with Tim Walton coming in as the as the position coach. And the Buckeyes accept not only offered, but accepted the commitment of a guy low four star, which, you know, raises the ire of some Buckeye fans. But again, if they're taking him this early, I have to feel pretty confident that Tim Walton knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I, it's again, it's, a, it's another situation similar to Bryson where it, Ohio State has the ability to go into these areas uh, what, you know, whether it's nationally in state, it doesn't really matter. They have the ability to go in and you just have to trust the track record there. I mean, Ohio state's not ever bringing in players that you're like, man, what are you doing? I mean, more times than not, I mean, I guess every once in a while you're going to have someone that doesn't pan out, but I mean, that that's the same with the five-star guy. So, I mean, we, we've seen that, you know, just in the last yeah. couple of years, guys that have, you know, been five-star recruits that have, you know, left the program or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, cause, cause they didn't get on the field. So I think the other thing too, with cornerback recruiting is, Ohio State's not not tendency to taking their time, but some of the guys that, you know, they, they would love to bring in have kind of, you know, either faded away. You look at A.J. Harris you know, out of Phoenix City, Alabama. That was a guy that before Kerry Coombs left in Cincinnati, A.J. Harris was, I mean, there were talks about he was a silent commit to Ohio state, or at least was going to commit to Ohio state, you know, right away. Um, you know, and that, and that kind of trended elsewhere when they lost Coombs, you know, the staff tried to get in with them and things looked to be pretty good. Uh, but you know, now Florida has made a real, a, a real play for him. And obviously, you know, that's, that's trending away from Ohio state. So that's not, you know, a great sign, but you've got other things like Kay and Lee, you know, another Georgia national talent. That's just I mean, how loaded is Georgia by the way, but Kay and Lee has been, yeah, crystal ball to Ohio State, you know, pretty rampantly lately. So, and that's a guy that's you know a, a four-star guy. I mean, he's the 22nd overall cornerback. But if you look at the 2023 class overall, I mean, this class is loaded up 
with cornerbacks. I mean, loaded up. You've got, if you just count, you've got like 10 guys that are in the top 100 just at the cornerback position. So, I mean, they're, they're in on guys. And I think Ohio State fans, if they're kind of worried about, you know, this commitment, they just need to settle down just a little bit and realize Dijon is not a player, once again, that they would take if they didn't feel good about him. So, again, it's one of those things where you just have to trust the staff. Um, and, it, you know, how lucky are Ohio State fans that, man, you know, you're, you're almost crossing your eyes or rolling your eyes a little bit about, you know, a national 200. 65 player like that's one of the lowest ranked guys in your class and he's still nationally ranked at 265 overall I mean and again this is yeah. this is coming from a kid that you know now that he's committed you might see a rankings boost a little bit I mean 247 sports and you know a lot of these other outlets tend to do that when they see a guy commit when the new rankings come out they tend to jump a little bit because they're realizing well shoot if Ohio State's taking this kid I might want to reevaluate things and put him up a little bit higher yeah well and he also had offers from Oklahoma USC Georgia Alabama Auburn Florida Michigan Penn State all of this he actually had official visits set up for Oklahoma and USC for this summer once uh, he officially became a senior according to the NCAA and could take official visits so I don't know if he's going to keep those visits or if he is committed to Ohio State and therefore shutting down his recruiting. But um, it is interesting. You know, like you said, these two guys are the two lowest rated players in Ohio State's class other than Will Smith Jr., who I think we all kind of understand is a a different situation um, than any of the other players. Obviously, he's a big kid at 6'3", 260, and very well could work himself up in those rankings, but he's a legacy. His dad is an Ohio State icon, so of course he is going to be um, given a little bit of different you know, attention by the Buckeyes. But other than him, Bryson and Dijon are the two lowest rated guys in the class, and they are still guys with huge upside. So uh, I, I think that it's a, it's a really interesting get from those two guys. They are the third and fourth players from the state of Florida. I live in Florida, so I, I kind of love that. Mark Fletcher, the running back who just committed earlier this week, um, is in there as well. Uh, and then there's Cedric Hawkins, who's a safety who committed on New Year's Day, um, like in the middle of the Rose Bowl, if you remember yeah, correctly. Right, yep. So um, uh, currently, Ohio State only has one top 100 player. That's Luke Montgomery. They do have Ty Lockwood, who's a, ten, uh, a tight end, who is number 101. Um, but we imagine that there are going to be some guys popping either from the 2023 class or the 2024 class um, very soon. Um, Let's talk about the 2024 class, because one of the interesting things that we were kind of looking forward to for this spring game is the amount of quarterbacks who were supposed to be there. Um, In the 2024 class, there was actually three quarterbacks who were going to be there. Dylan Rayola, um, who's a five-star, Jaden Davis, who is a five-star, and Reese Fountain. Um, A lot of crystal balls started popping up for Dylan in the past week or so. And it turns out that Jaden, for whatever reason he has not said publicly, decided not to come to Columbus, despite the fact that I think he'd been to, uh, to been to Columbus six times before. Um, but he decided not to come for the spring game. And we don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that everybody seems to think that Dylan is going to commit sooner rather than later. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, no. And that's one of the things that you kind of look at. He had a trip scheduled to Penn State on Friday and you expect Jaden Davis to be, you know, in Columbus on that Saturday. And that and that was originally how it was supposed to go. Uh, and I wrote about it last week, you know, Dylan Rayola, and it was on my Wednesday piece, you know, so for Thursday morning in State Secrets. 
you know, we, we saw the crystal ball starting to go for Dylan Rayola. And again, the crystal ball, like I mentioned in the piece, it's it's not the end all be all, but it certainly sheds light to what is kind of happening and where things are going, and what's trending, you know, at that time. And whenever you have people that crystal ball someone, that's a good thing, obviously, you know, if it's in your school's favor. But the thing that you want to look at is who the analyst is. And right away, when you look at those two analysts, those two crystal balls for Rayola, it was director of recruiting for his 247 sports, Steve Wilfong, who like, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, that's a guy that's obviously in the know. And then, you know, again, Bill Curlick from bucknuts.com and, you know, and I've heard it before too. It's kind of a funny thing, but it's also the truth. When, when Curlick goes ahead and submits a crystal ball for someone to Ohio state, you can kind of think about him as not being for sure, but it's, you know, he's not going to submit a pick that he's not very confident in. So, you know, you look at that and you think, well, maybe, you know, maybe the return trip, because again, I wrote about his crystal ball predictions on Thursday and then on Friday, I'm writing another piece about how now Dylan has, you know, basically come out publicly and said, yeah, I'm coming back to Ohio State after I was just there, you know, two weeks ago, not even. So um, things are definitely trending in the right direction. And, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it's just that's recruiting. That's the ebbs and flows of recruiting. I remember talking to you on another pod about how Jaden Davis was like the crown jewel of this class. And how he was the guy that, you know, clearly Ohio State was the most high on him, you know, yeah. for a quarterback in the 2024 class. And now things have trended away from, you know, Jaden Davis and to no fault of his own. You look at the composite rankings, you look at 247's rankings, and it's Dylan and Jaden right there, back and forth. I mean, on three has Dylan as their number one player overall and their top their top quarterback. So 247 does. Yeah. yeah. And it's just they're they're neck and neck right there. So whatever player you get, obviously it's uh I mean, it's it's an embarrassment of riches, but it's it does seem that Ohio State's kind of gone, you know, more towards Dylan Rayola and things are trending in their direction. And like you said before we even started the pod, it's it's one of those things where you look at Dylan's body type. He's more of, you know, that sit in the pocket, kind of throw it around, get the ball in the hands of his playmakers more than just being a run threat, you know, like Jaden can be. And that 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 fits Ryan Day's scheme is, you know, what we've seen with uh, CJ Shroud, obviously. So things are going the right direction. Ohio State fans should be certainly super happy and you know, hopefully you know, a return trip like this to Columbus after two weeks kind of just says, you know, this is going to be the guy. Well, especially because he's from Chandler, Arizona. So it's not like he's able to just hop in the car and drive from Dayton or something to get there. And like I said, I mentioned a minute ago, he's a uh, 2024 guy. So he's got like more than a year before he can take an official visit. So the fact that he's willing to plop down the money to come to Columbus twice in in a a two, three week period says that they are obviously pretty interested. Uh, But as you said, Dylan is a 6'3", 225-pound pocket passer. Jaden Davis is a six foot, 185 pound dual threat quarterback. Um, obviously, Ohio State loves quarterbacks who can run, but you know the 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 offense has changed quite a bit uh, under Ryan Day. Not only since he's been the head coach, but since he was the offensive coordinator. You know, we've spent a lot of time in this past week talking about Dwayne Haskins, but Dwayne Haskins was much more of a Ryan Day quarterback than an Urban Meyer quarterback, even though he was obviously recruited by Urban Meyer. Uh, but in terms of the style of quarterback. Dylan seems to fit that uh, a lot more, which I think is very interesting. Um, Was there anybody else who was there on campus, um, either from the 2023 class or the 2024 class that you see as being a uh, potential guy? I know wide receiver Noah Rogers was somebody who is high on Heartline's list. Um, Austin uh, Sayerveld, who I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a four-star offensive lineman who has Ohio State, Alabama, and Notre Dame in his top three. Like, are those guys you're looking at, you know, potentially being 
I don't know, either boom soon or, or maybe guys that are high up on the list? Or is there anybody else that you think is potentially really interesting? Well, I, to go back to actually Dijon Johnson, I know we talked yeah. about him, you know, he, one of the recent commits. I, I, I got a quote from him that was on Twitter that I wanted to share with people. Um, actually, yeah. Chad Simmons from on3.com, um, one of their lead analysts there, he got a quote from Dijon Johnson. And it just it talks about, you know, kind of you mentioned his official visit schedule with other schools. Uh, but his quote is this, the culture, the people, the players and networking, the fan base. Ohio State has it all. My recruitment is shut down and I'm locked in with Ohio State. So, Great. again, these these are 17, 18 year old kids. Um, so, I mean, I guess you can't say, well, that's for sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, when a kid says that, 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 that's a good thing for Ohio state, I mean, Ohio state's very much into the, into the narrative of, we want you to take your visits, but once you're here, we want you locked in here. Like once you commit, we don't need you on other campuses. And and that's the same for everybody, but Ohio state has gone very out of their way to say, we don't want you to commit to us until you've made up your mind 100%. And then when you're locked in, we need you to be a leader of the class and help to, you know, peer recruit other players. So um, to get to this, this past weekend, though, I mean, other commits were on hand. You've got Malik Hartford, obviously from Lakota West, um, one of the more recent commits as well, too, that was, uh, you know, back on campus. The one that to me, I think is the most interesting is Walker Lyons. He's a tight end out of Folsom, California, Um, just an absolute stud, but he was back on campus, uh, you know, this past weekend and Ohio state is very, very much in on Rico Flores, his prep, you know, teammate out in Folsom in California. And and Heartline has made it very clear that Rico Flores, uh, actually another player that doesn't have, you know, that top, you know, two, three wide receiver grade that, you know, Heartline's been so prone to getting, but it's another player that, that Heartline is very, very in on, very high on. And I think, you know, if they were able to get a package deal, which doesn't always happen um, with Walker Lions, Rico Flores, they would be absolutely thrilled because it would once again, you know, open the floodgates a little bit if you could get back into California, even though Lincoln Riley's there and, you know, obviously doing a good job for USC. So Walker Lions is kind of the one that I thought would, to me, was the most important guy that they had on campus besides the quarterback position, just because he's a, you know, 2023 tight end top ranked tight end in Ohio state desperately needs, you know, to, to continue on the trend with tight ends. Cause even though they looked great in the spring game again, you know, it, and it's not always pass catching Ohio state, Ryan day, Kevin Wilson, whoever it is, they've said, you know, they want to have, you know, two tight end sets out there and run 12 personnel. So um, Walker Lyons for me is the biggest one. And then, you know, there's a, there's a ton of other in-state kids that were there. A lot of kids from Georgia again this week. Um, Arvell Reese is another kid that was there. He's a Cleveland Glenville 2023 four-star linebacker. So, you know, once again, we're kind of starting to see Glenville have a little bit of a pipeline starting to open up again. Um, and, and I think Ohio State obviously will take advantage of that too. But again, I think for the guy, for me, that I guess intrigues me the most was definitely Walker Lyons because, you know, they have Ty Lockwood already committed in the class, but they definitely need to have a second tight end just based on pure depth. Yeah, it's real thin there right now. So, uh, yeah, that'll Anytime be time you're moving a receiver to tight end, you, you know, you need something there. So, well, yeah. Uh, and, and Kate Stover. Yep. Right. You had Kate Stover, who was a tight end, then was a linebacker, looked decent at linebacker yeah. in the Rose Bowl and then moved back. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, Real quick, before we wrap up here, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the spring game. What did you see from a either a player perspective or from a uh, a scheme perspective on offense or defense? Anything pop for you from a coaching perspective that you were like, oh, that's that's something interesting, either that exceeded your expectations or something that you had no expectations of, but it showed up on the field on Saturday. 
Yeah, you kind of hit on it. it. It really is a glorified practice. I mean, I, we don't do, you know, simulated scrimmages very much at the high school level just because you don't have a ton of time. You know, when you're basically working on a three-day yeah. week, um, you know, games are on Friday, obviously, but, you know, Thursday is really a walkthrough day. So, I mean, that's kind of your, you know, simulated scrimmage day, if you will. You're going based on your scout team and, you know, what you're going to be seeing, you know, 24 hours from there. But I looked at, you know, the spring game and there are, you know, there are some times where it's kind of funny. I mean, I remember in the first quarter, it's talking about how defense gets three points if there's a three and out. Well, the Ohio State's offense clearly got stopped on fourth and two, and they ran another play after fourth and two. So, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, you know what, the head coach is an offensive guy. We're going to do this, and we don't really care yeah. what anybody else says. So, those are the kind of funny parts. Well, and what, well, but I, I remember exactly what it was because even the announcers were like, oh, they gave him first down. It was one of those, it was a, when they were in the thud tackling perspective yep. where it was like yep. a two hand touch. But I, I think it was Travion Henderson had a run where the guy, barely touched him and they they marked him down but he would have ran for like potentially a touchdown yeah, um, sure. and they were like that technically was short <laughs> yeah. but probably yeah. would have broken that tackle we'll give him another one so we can keep on working on things yeah. type of deal so yeah because yeah, in like in sure. like a real game he probably would have broken it for at least another 10 20 yards but right. um anything that you saw from the uh yeah the Knowles? i mean yeah go ahead yeah. Player wise, I mean, I think everybody's kind of hit on this, but I mean, it's, it's true when it, you know, when it sticks out that much, everybody's kind of talked about it. But I mean, Kai Stokes, I mean, he's a true freshman. One and of one of those most, lower, yeah, low, lower again. ranked guys. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of, you know, solidifies what you're talking about with Bryson Rogers and Dijon Johnson, the two latest commits we've already talked about at nauseum today. I mean, it's, it's again, trust the staff, trust the staff and what they see in these guys. Um, and it just, it's one of those full circle things, you know, it's kind of like you're watching Kai Stokes out there as a true freshman from Florida, who's an under, you know, under recruited guy, not super highly ranked. And he's out there killing it. I mean, that, that guy was making plays on the ball. And the thing that for me, I was most impressed with, he's not making plays on the ball just when, you know, when your backup quarterbacks are in there, if you will, Devin Brown and yeah. Kyle McCord, he broke on a ball that CJ rifled in there. And have intercepted it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that Perry talked, Josh Perry talked about on the broadcast that, what a break on the ball. Excellent job. Now the development will come to, you know, be able to get both hands on that ball and, you know, take it to the house for six. So obviously right off the bat, Kai Stokes to me was the most impressive. I, on the offensive side of the ball, I was super impressed with Evan Pryor. That kid has a ton of shake to him. And Ohio State, I mean, just like the receiver position, they have an embarrassment of riches at the running back spot. I mean, please. Right now, Evan Pryor can go to other D1 schools in the Big Ten and be their starter. Um, you know, and he's technically probably what to be on the depth chart. I mean, maybe he's third, but I mean, yeah. I, he's kind of one of those guys that I, I do see Ohio State being able to use this year. And he's got some wiggle to him. He looked really, really strong, um, especially out on the outside when he gets in on the perimeter. That's for me. I'm a huge fan of like perimeter run game stuff with with running backs because I like to see how the wideouts block and. Again, Evan Pryor's got some wiggle to him, got out outside and really did a lot of things with the ball after, you know, he was able to get, you know, on, on the edge. So that's an exciting piece. So, I mean, some young guys really stuck out to me uh, as far as scheme goes. I mean, for me personally, I always think about the defense being behind the offense, if you will, because there are people that have to react where the, where the offense is able to do what they want to do be able to do who they do it against. They know what they're going to see from Knowles. I mean, that was very basic, but for the defense to make as many plays on the ball, to get some actual stops. And again, also rush the quarterback. I mean, obviously they're not going to hit any of them, but 
for JT Tua and Moloal, Jack Sawyer to get off the edge like they did. That was really exciting for me because, again, in a spring setting like that, simulated scrimmage, if you will, the offense tend to do a little bit better than the defense does just because, you know, they know what they're running. Defense kind of has to react to it. But I thought the defense did a very nice job. And for me personally, it just looked like everything was faster. I don't know if you noticed that, too, but it just looked like things flowed faster, like defensive line wasn't, you know, an, you know, kind of slow to get to the passer. It was one of those things where linebackers didn't look lost in coverage. They were able to get to their drops. And, you know, when they were able to read, they were able to flow, you know, to the, to the ball carriers themselves. So, I mean, not to get into too much scheme and probably bore people to death, uh, but it's one of those things where in my mind, I think Knowles is doing such a wonderful job being that teacher that he clearly has said he likes to be. So uh, good things are trending. We heard about it all all spring. And, you know, Ryan Day is one of those people that he doesn't give you a ton of insight on how things are going. But when he does, it, it tends to be, you know, the truth. I mean, I've heard him say, and I know everyone has many times, we're not where we need to be yet. And he means it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for him to say this spring, we had a very good spring that that's that's exciting. And I think they're they're going to be very good, you know, come this fall. And again, iron sharpens iron, whether it's a cliche or saying or not, they've got some absolute dudes on both sides of the ball. And those guys going against each other every day is going to bode well for them this fall. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll add to all of that, I, I wrote about it all last season in terms of my complaints about the defense was the lack of aggression. And there just yep. seemed to be much more aggression from, especially the defensive line, but even the linebackers, but also the secondary, you know, yep. Knowles has talked about the fact that he does not want his corners being there and run support. That's kind of why he runs more safeties where he'll have a safety right. up and run support Down a little, little bit safeties, more. Yep. Yeah. But you saw that. And was it, was it Jack Sawyer who put Paris Johnson in the spin cycle? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. On those? Like yep. that's a, that's a Force new two thing. holding calls. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's a great sign. I, you know, it's kind of interesting to me that JT and Jack were technically the backups. They were, didn't start in the spring right. game. I don't know that that matters, especially with Larry Johnson liking to rotate, but I will be interested to see if those guys end up getting more snaps in the fall than, um, I guess it was Javante Jean-Baptiste and Zach Harrison uh, as the starters. But it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because those two are clearly the more athletic and aggressive yeah, guys right, right now. So definitely more upside. And I like what you said there about the aggression piece, because in, in my opinion, and this might differ than, you know, other people's opinions, but I really don't think you can teach aggression. I think it's one of those things that you just have. Um, and now, obviously, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you got to have it. So players on the defensive side of the ball that are aggressive, you know, the thing that goes hand in hand with aggressiveness is knowing what you're doing. You know, confusion can completely eliminate aggressiveness because, you know, you're timid. You don't know where you're going. So um, that's one of the things that I just, I kind of see it already, you know, starting to really take shape. I mean, Coach Knowles said it himself on Saturday after the presser, you know, that he was doing that. I like where we're at right now. We had a really good spring. We're able to do things right now that I'm, that I like, you know, we had a successful spring of development. So again, I think the aggression, like you said, we're going to see more of it this year because the guys are confident in what they're doing. They're able to flow. Defensive line is able to get to the passer, which is going to help. You know, Yeah, exactly. It's going to help linebackers be freed up. You've got safeties on the back end, you know, hopefully they all stay healthy this year, but you've got safeties on the back end that can cover. They've got guys that can come downhill like Ronnie Hickman and absolutely stick. Yeah. They've got good outside corners that are young that have proven they can cover as well too, but they'll also come downhill and stick if they need to. So I'm, I'm excited about the defense, you know, obviously, you know, I can tend to have some scarlet colored glasses, um, but again, you these are never, yeah, <laughs> but these, these are guys that you just, you look at them and you see from, 
my perspective, I guess, is with Knowles, it just, it just does. It looks like there's more teaching out there. It looks like there's more confidence out there. And that's what these guys needed, you know, actually get them going again to see, you know, some real silver, silver bullet football, because it's been a while and it's time to get it back. So I think yeah. Knowles will be the guy that'll get it done and it's trending in the right direction. All right. I think that's where we will cut it off for today, Caleb. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Lane Grant Holy Land's The Dotted Line Podcast. Caleb, thank you again for taking time out of your holiday evening Absolutely. to chat with me. If you are finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you on the uh, social media? I'm at Twitter on Caleb Hauser nine. Would love to have people come on there. We've had some really good chats. I've had some people that actually message me before and ask me about some things that, you know, I've been seeing and whatnot. So that, that makes me feel really cool about that kind of stuff. It's always good to talk to anyone that subscribes and listens and reads to what we have to say. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt. You can follow land grant, Holy land at land grant 33. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always go bucks.